to make heaven picture in your mind your heaven your home I feel sad when I talk to people about Christ about heaven and they tell me heaven doesn't exist Meanwhile, my father told me that I go in my father's house there are many mansions there and I go to prepare one for you one especially for you one for you on yourself on your own to enjoy so why 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 will we do anything to jeopardize it why will someone stand and tell me that it does not exist is if let, let god be true and every man a liar is he telling me that christ was joking with us beulah land sweet beulah land who doesn't want to live in a town where the streets are of gold who doesn't want to live a life where you don't have to think about work there is no headache there is no illness a place where forever all you will do is enjoy and sing praises to that great God may God give each and of us, each one of us the grace the fortitude the wisdom to do all that we have to do to make heaven in Jesus almighty name amen, amen. in Jesus almighty name Ladies and gentlemen, turn with me quickly to the book of Revelation. To the book of Revelation. Shall be reading Revelation 21. Revelation 21, are you there? It's also on the screen there. Start from verse 1. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them, and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of life, of the water of life freely. He that overcometh, verse 7 again, I haven't done. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Amen. But the fearful, unbelieving, and the abominable, and murderers, and whoremongers, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And there came unto me one of the seven angels which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, I will show thee the bride, the Lamb's wife. 
Father, we thank you for an opportunity to be in your presence today. We ask, O oh Lord, that you take control. Father, come and minister unto us. Come and teach us the things that you need us to learn in these times. Come and teach us the things that you want us to do so that we can become overcomers. Your word says, he that overcometh. Lord, may that be our portion in the almighty name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. Brethren, if you have ever for once paid attention to me, today is a day you must pay double attention. Today is a day you must focus and listen carefully. Let there be no distractions. Just full concentration. Don't allow sleep. Don't allow your phone. Don't allow thoughts distract you. In these times of so much prosperity preaching, yes, we all want to prosper. But the kind of message you are going to hear today is the kind of message that is gone, that has gone out of vogue. It is the kind of message that 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 is no longer preached regularly in our churches and on our pulpits. When last did you hear about heaven and hell in church? If you're going to a church wherein year in and year out, there is not a call for you to think about your ways, to examine your ways, wherein there is not a call to tell you about our final destination, wherein it is hard, it is not regular, wherein you do not hear about eternal life, then, brethren, you need to have everything. Of all the great things God has done for us, salvation is number one. Salvation is the most important reason why the church gathers, because God gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him will not perish but have eternal life. That is that salvation. What many people don't know is that salvation is the key to prosperity. My Bible tells me in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and its righteousness, and every other thing shall be added unto you. Every other thing. That's the prosperity we all desire. That is the prosperity we all desire. For all the things he has done for us, salvation is number one. It's number one over the good health he has given us. It's number one over prosperity. It's number one over life. The type of message you're about to hear today is the type of message that makes people think soberly and make decisions. It's the type of message that makes people reflect, recalculate, Think about what is happening. Think about how they are living and make decisions. Some, the wise ones, will decide to change their lifestyle. Change the way they go about doing some things. And others may just decide to change their church. I don't want to be called out every time. I don't want to leave church with a guilty conscience. But that is the wrong decision. The right decision will be there are a few things I am doing that may hinder my making heaven. And I don't want to make, I miss heaven. So I need to change. Today, I enjoin us all to reflect on our lifestyle, reflect on the things we do and we do not do, and make a decision to do the right things. Many of us prefer to uh, postpone the decision of life, postpone the, 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 the main question of life and say, well, ah, 
I don't believe, or when we get to that bridge, when I get to that bridge, I will cross it. When they get, when we, uh, these things may be true, they may not be true. When I get to that bridge, I will cross it. People that make this decision forget that by the time they get to that bridge, there is nothing left they can do to influence that decision again. By the time they get to that bridge, it's either they go this way or that way. And by that time, it will be impossible to do anything else about it. So this is the time now to make the right decision. This is the time now to think about it. Everybody wants to go to heaven, I'm sure. If I ask everyone here who wants to go to heaven, everybody will raise their hands. Everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. Why? Because my Bible tells us, and we all know, that it is appointed unto man, but wants to die. And after that, judgment. And since we know that after death is judgment, most of us want to get to heaven without the process. Why? Because most of us may be afraid of the answers we'll give God on judgment day. People don't want to hear the preaching of the cross. They'd rather be on TV. They'd rather do some other thing. They'd rather hear some other sweet gospel. Some accuse us of using the fear of hell to scare people into church. Brethren, if that is what will scare you into making the right decision, no apologies. As I stand here, my greatest fear is the fear of missing heaven. Because I know the consequences. And because of it, I make the decisions that I need to make with it at the back of my mind. Because of it, I decide no compromises. Because on judgment day, I will not come and tell God that I, I, I had to do this this way because that one did it that way. I have to do this this way because the, this thing, no. No excuses on that day. People do not like this type of gospel. First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. For the preaching of the cross is foolishness to those that perish. It is foolishness to those that perish. But unto us who are saved, it is the power of God. For the preaching of the cross, anyone that hears the preaching of the cross and Waves it aside. It's being foolish. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. Brethren, it is the power to withstand pressure. It is the power to withstand temptation. It is the power to maintain zero tolerance for anything that will make you miss the cross. It is the power to overcome the captivity of negativity associated with the wrong living. To the world it is foolishness, but to us it is power. And as we know that we have this power, we will do everything to hold on to this power. We will continue to preach it because we do not want to perish. And we do not want our loved ones to perish. We will continue to ring it in their ears. We will continue to tell them about it. Because as we tell them, we are also telling ourselves. As I'm preaching this message to you people today, I am also talking to myself. The power of God to give us so that when we are tempted to lie, 
we realize that all liars, all liars, when we are tempted to cheat, we, are, we realize that cheating, we will not neglect it, the preaching of the cross. Rather, we will prioritize it. My Bible tells me in Hebrews 2, chapter 3, for the message of God delivered through angels has also stood firm, and every violation of the law and every act of disobedience was punished. So what makes us think that we can escape, brethren? What makes us think that we can escape if we ignore this great salvation that was first announced by the Lord Jesus himself and then delivered to us by those who heard him speak? Give me the next verse, chapter verse 4. So, look at verse 3, sorry. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord Jesus and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him? How shall we escape? My brethren, heaven is real, hell is real. Like I told you, if you've ever listened to me before, if you've ever taken me seriously before, this is a day you should take me double seriously. Some people say there is no heaven. There is no hell. Don't mind them. They're wasting their time. Ah, they're trying to scare us. There is no God. There is no resurrection. Everything ends here. Of course, brethren, that is a fallacy. Heaven is real. Hell is real. Even the heathen, they know this. When they want to tell you something is certain, they tell you as sure as hell. They know it. They realize it. But they just don't want to face it. They just don't want to admit it. And if in this life only we have hope in Christ, then we are amongst all men most miserable. If I stand here today and talk to you about Christ, and talk to you about Christ, and I do not believe, and I do not know that he has prepared a mansion for you and, my, and I, then I'm a very miserable man. 1 Corinthians 15, 12. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is worthless, and so is your faith. In that case, we are also exposed as false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead, but he did not raise him, if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, For if the dead rise not, and if Christ be not raised, your faith is in vain. You are yet in your sins. And they also, then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. We know that there is a final destination. We know that there is an eternal life that is forever and ever. 
Therefore, we must do everything, everything to be prepared, to be ready for it. Brethren, nothing on earth is worth going to hell for. All those people we may look at their life now and try to envy. Oh, Bill Gates is the richest man. This one is as rich as this one is as handsome as this one is as pretty as. If they allow that thing, maybe they feel they have now, deny them heaven. Then they will be the ones envying you. Remember the story of Lazarus and the poor man in the Bible. Lazarus was eating from the crops of the temple of the rich man. Lazarus and the rich man, rather. But at the end, in eternal life, Lazarus made heaven and the rich man did not. And Lazarus, who used to look at the rich man and shake his head and say, Child, God, I wish I was as rich as this man. It was now the rich man that looked at heaven. The rich man that did not recognize Lazarus on earth did not know him, but pretended as if he didn't know his name. He was the one that was calling Father Abraham. Is that not my good neighbor, Lazarus, that I'm seeing with you? Nothing on earth is worth going to hell for. Our main priority at all times should be heaven. Because the consequences of failing to make heaven are totally unimaginable. My main priority, my main desire in life is to make heaven. And my second desire is to take as many of my loved ones as I can. Not just my children, not just my relatives, not just members of this church, but all my loved ones. Because otherwise the consequences are unimaginable. I say it all the while and I tell my people, I am not afraid. I am not afraid of death. Not at all. Because I know that when I die, I won't die, I'll be asleep. Every time Christ mentioned the passing away of someone, he said that person is sleeping. Because he knows that that person will rise again. Luke 12, 14, 4 says, I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those that can kill the body. Kill the body alone. And after that can do no more. But I will show you who you should fear. Fear the one who, after you have been killed, has authority, has power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. Brethren, the fear of God is the beginning of all wisdom. And when you fear God, you will be very particular not to do anything contrary to his word. When you fear God, you will be very particular not to offend him. When you fear God, you will do everything to keep his commandments. And when you do this, you have set yourself in right stead for making heaven. We were at a service of songs yesterday and Atiyonu Church said something that really touched me. She said, while her husband was ill, the prayer she kept saying to God was, Father, please, 
if you are going to take him, take him when he is ready. Take him when he is ready. That is my prayer for myself and for every one of us. Long, long, long away from now, if Jesus tarries, when it is our time, let it be that we are ready. But the enemy has set many obstacles in front of us. The Bible tells us, for we are not unaware of the devices of the enemy. So we should all shine our eyes. He has set many obstacles to heaven. Number one of them is fear. That portion we read, the main portion we read, it says, but the fearful, but the fearful, people that are afraid of the consequences, people that are afraid. Verse 8, that portion we read, it says, but the fearful and unbelieving, if you believe in God, why will you be afraid? But the fearful and unbelieving. People have several different fears. People are afraid of the, what will my family say? Oh, I was born Muslim. What will my family say? That I say I'm serving Christ now. People are afraid of the reaction of their friends. My friends will say I'm not him. My friends will call me a Jew man. My friends, what will, how will my friends react? People are afraid of the reaction of government. Political correctness. Things you and I know are contrary to the Bible. But because the government says it's okay. People are afraid of what people will say. King Saul lost his kingdom. Why? Because he was afraid of what the people will say. Fear is a major obstacle to our making heaven. But we must overcome this fear. My Bible tells me, for he has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and sound mind. Bible statisticians tell us that there are, the word fear not is written in the Bible 365 times. What does it mean? For every morning you bust out, there is a fear not for you. Every morning you wake up, realize that God has not given you the spirit of fear. Do not fear the government. Do not fear what your family will say. Do not fear what your friends will say. Fear God. Because the government do not have the power to kill you and throw you in hell. They can only kill you. They can at worst jail you. But the portion we read tells you to fear that one. That will look at you and say, my son, you have disappointed me. You are going into eternal life in hellfire. That is the one we should fear. Another hindrance, obstacle the enemy has set to our making heaven is shame. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. But many of us are. Many of us are ashamed to be identified as Christians. Many of us are ashamed to be identified as Pentecostals. Many of us are ashamed to identify as people that even know Christ, people that go to church. But Christ tells me, he said it somewhere in the Bible, that anyone who confesses me before men, I will confess before my Father in heaven. But anyone who denies me before men, 
Likewise will I deny that person before my father in heaven. So if you allow shame, sometimes you want to talk to someone about Christ and I, I. If it's embarrassment, please embarrass me. Let me take the embarrassment for Christ took much more than that for me on the cross of Calvary. Embarrass me, thank you. Another main obstacle to our making heaven is the lust for sinful pleasures. Things that you know you should not do. Things that you know are wrong. They keep attracting us. We keep falling and I, we say, I, that sin that so easily besets me. No. The Bible tells me that Christ, God, will not allow a temptation stronger than you come to you. He has given you the strength. And even where you feel you are weak, I am weak to this. He said his strength is made manifest in your weakness. All you need to do is call on to him, Father. This one is, I don't know, I don't know how to go about this one. And he will make a way for you where there seems to be no way. Another obstacle that the enemy uses to distract God's people from heaven is the lust for money. The Bible tells me, what shall it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? There's a story in the Bible about the rich man who after the day's work, or let's say maybe end of year, he took stock. His accountant came and told him this, this, that. He calculated his assets. He looked and he said, yes, I've made it. I got a man. And there's nothing else. And I did it by my strength. And then I will go about this, this way. I will go about this, that way. He did not glorify God. He put that loss for money in front of God. And what happened? God said, Thou foolish man, you will not see tomorrow. And all these things you have gathered that is swelling your head, some other people will enjoy it. Brethren, no one on earth is guaranteed tomorrow. So make sure that every day you are ready. Every day you are ready. Some people, because of earthly treasure, they struggle. They forget about the right things to do just to make money. They cut corners. Some people are different in church than they are in business. While I used to practice as a lawyer back in Abuja, I went to church. Someone invited me to a church, a different church. And I went to church. One, the man I saw seated as a deacon in that church, I saw him and I was shocked. I had a case with him. And the things he did, the worst believer could not do it. But there he was seated as a deacon in church. He's a different man in church and a different man in practice. Why? Because of the loss for money. 
Matthew 6, 19. Do not store for yourself treasures on earth. We are moth and rust does destroy. And thieves enter and cut away. But store for yourself treasures in heaven. We are moth or rust do not destroy. And where thieves cannot break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. If your treasure is in heaven, your heart will be determined to make heaven. Your heart will overcome the temptation. For what shall it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? Brethren, if you look around in the Bible, every time Christ mentioned the person of a saint, he never put it as death. When he came to Bethany, on his way to Bethany, he told his disciples, let us go, for my friend Lazarus is asleep. When he got into the house where the young girl was dead and people were crying, he told them, why are you crying? This young girl slipped, and they laughed him to scorn. If they could laugh Christ to scorn, then you have nothing to be ashamed of when they laugh when someone when you tell someone about the gospel and the person laughs you to scorn. Verse 7 of that portion we read in Revelation 21, it says, He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. He that overcometh. Also in Revelations 2, I think in verse 11, he says, He that hath an heir, let him hear what the Spirit said unto the churches. He that overcometh, once again, shall not be hurt of the second death. The second death, like we all know, is the death after judgment. That's eternal damnation in a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. As I tell you this message from God today, determine in your heart that nothing will make you miss heaven. He that overcometh. So brethren, who is he that overcometh? He that overcometh is the one who places his faith exclusively on the cross of Jesus, which allows the Holy Spirit access to walk in his life, thus bringing on him the fruits of the Spirit. By strength shall no man prevail. You have to invite the Holy Spirit to help you. You have to invite the Holy Spirit to guide you. When you wake up in the morning every single day, you say, thank you, Lord. But Father, as I step out today, please guide my path. And even along the day, whatever situation you face, invite, they say the greater one lives in you. So call on, communicate with him. And he will make himself known. And he will guide you in the right path. 
He that overcometh is the one that is determined that nothing will make him live a life that will jeopardize his chances of making heaven. He that overcometh is the one that has zero tolerance for sin. No matter what it is, no matter the temptation, he will not succumb to it. He that overcometh is not that one sitting in the front of church as the pastor or as the deacon. Because reputation is what men think about you. It is not what God knows about you. He that overcometh is the one that serves God in spirit and in truth. The other day I was watching a documentary series on BBC, The Line of Duty. And there was this man called DCI Gates, a policeman, Detective Chief Inspector Gates. For three years running, he was awarded the Officer of the Year. In front of everybody, he was a correct, committed officer. The bad people could not bribe him. The criminals could not bribe or intimidate him. They could not buy him. But DCI Gates had his own flaws. DCI Gates was married, but he was involved in a wrong relationship too. And one day, well, in fact, the day he received the award, the third year running for the officer of the year, he received a call from his mistress. A distress call, and he got to her house, and she said, ah, hit and run. I hit something. I don't know what it is. I hit a dog. And the dog died. And I ran. didn't stop to look. And what did he do? This man, with a squeaky clean record, because he did not have zero, zero tolerance for wrongdoing. Because he had already morally been cheating on his wife. He was already committed. What did he do? He helped her stage a burglary as if she, her, her, car, her house was boggled and her car was stolen, with which the hit and run was done. And what happened? Subsequently, it was discovered that it was a man that was hit and the man died. Subsequently, it was discovered that the man that died was the accountant of his mistress. So it could not have been a coincidence. And as he was discovering this thing, he used his position as a senior officer to be deleting evidence. And that's what led to the crashing of the man with such a squeaky clean record. Brethren, the enemy will come in a small way, in a gradual way, with that thing that you, that, that you think is nothing. But once he has his claws in you, once one thing will lead to another. One sin will lead to another. One wrongdoing will lead to another. And it will keep pushing you. Pushing you away. Further and further away from hell. But we are not unaware of the devices of the enemy. That's why every day I shout it loud. Do not give him a chance. Rebuke him and he will flee from you. And also on your own, flee from anything that resembles evil. Because it just might be evil packaged to entrap you. We must realize one thing. 
Our life here on earth, we are but pilgrims. This is a stage. Life is a stage. We are on a pilgrimage. So there should be no messing about. Temptations may and will come. But we should remain resolute. We should be determined. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. Hebrews 10.23 says, Let us hold resolute to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. 2 Peter 2.9 says, If all this is so, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to hold the unrighteous for punishment on the day of judgment. 2 Corinthians 7.1 Therefore, beloved, since we have these promises, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that defiles body and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. James 4.8 He says, Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hearts, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. 1 John 3 from verse 1 Behold what manner of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are now children of God, and what we will be has not yet been revealed. We know that when Christ appears, we will be like him, for we will see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as Christ is pure. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as Christ is pure. Four, of that same First John 3, everyone who practices sin practices lawlessness as well. Indeed, sin is lawlessness. But you know that Christ appeared to take away sins. And in him there is no sin. No one who remains in him keeps us sinning. No one who continues to sin has seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. The one who practices righteousness is righteous, just as Christ is righteous. The one who practices sin is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the very start. That is why the Son of God has reve was revealed, to destroy the works of the devil. And anyone born of God refuses to practice sin, because God's seed abides in him. He cannot go on sinning because he has been born of God. By this, the children of God are distinguished from the children of the devil. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is anyone who does not love his brother. Brethren, we must determine that nothing will come between us and our fellowship with God. Nothing will come between us and our desire to make heaven. Because believe it or not, every minute, every minute that tickles by draws us closer to the rapture. The second coming of the king, you must be prepared. You must be prepared. 
It comes with no warning. The Bible tells me in Revelation 16:5, Christ said, Behold, I am coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who remains awake and clothed, so that he will not go naked and let his shame be exposed. Don't let the second coming of Christ take us unawares. We must be on our toes at all times. We must, must prioritize life in Christ. We must prioritize living right. Brethren, peradventure you are here and you have not accepted Christ as your Lord and personal Savior. You are playing with fire. You are making a big mistake. You need to examine your life, examine the way you live, examine the things you do and make a decision to follow God. So all heads bowed, all eyes closed. If you're here and you have not accepted Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, this is your chance now to say, Father, I really need to change. I have realized this. And as you say it, determine in your heart that nothing will make you, nothing will make you go back. All eyes closed, all heads bowed. Is there anyone here who has decided that enough is enough? I will not continue to deceive myself. I will not continue to jeopardize my chances of making heaven. I will not say when I get to that bridge, I cross it. Because if I don't correct my path now, I will be unable to cross that bridge when I get to it. Think about it, brethren. What do you think? I tell my friends every time I talk to them, what is that thing that is keeping you from serving God? Look at it to calculate it well. It really is not worth it. Determine in your heart now that nothing will come between you and your God. Also, if you're here and you're born again, but deep down in your life, in your, your mind, in your heart, you also realize that there are mistakes you make from time to time. That there are things you continue to do that are not wrong, that are not right. Examine yourself and come to a decision and stop anything that will jeopardize your chances of making heaven. Let him that thinks he stands take heed lest he falls. As I preach this lesson today, it's not just for you, it's for me too. Let him that thinks he stands take heed lest he falls. He that overcometh, he that overcometh, he that over, he that overcometh shall wear a crown of life.
21.7 told us that he that overcometh shall inherit all things and I will be his God and he shall be my son. He that overcometh. That is our desire. That is our prayer that we shall be termed amongst those that overcome so that end of the day we will have eternal life. And with this determination we cancel any type of living that will make us miss this heaven. And when the battle is over, we shall wear a crown. We shall wear a crown. We shall wear a crown. And when the battle is over, we shall wear a crown. In the new Jerusalem Shall we rise? And when the battle is over We shall wear a crown We shall wear a crown We shall wear a Examine our lives. Whatever it is that you know you are doing that, that might jeopardize your chances of making heaven. Think about it at this moment and determine in your life, determine in your heart that you will never, ever go back to such a life. Father, we thank you for your word today. We ask you, Lord, that your grace be with us in every step. We ask you, Lord, that you guide us towards the things you want us to do, the way you want us to live. We ask you, O Lord, that you give us the determination to avoid any banana peels of the enemy that will entrap us. Anything that will make us miss heaven, Lord, we ask you, Father, remove it from us. Take absolute control of our lives. Give us your wisdom. Give us your knowledge, your understanding to live the way you want. Thank you, awesome God. In Jesus' almighty name we have prayed. Amen. Amen.